Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, featuring guest experts from such global brands as NASA, Salesforce, the Milwaukee Bucks, Staples Professional, IBM, Mutual of America, Zero, and Simon Sinek Inc. The show offers expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to grow and sustain employee performance. In this episode of the People in Performance podcast, we discuss how to create positive change in your work, life, and community. Listen to as we shine the light on the role of solution-focused thinking. Our guest this time is Greg Brown. He's a global speaker and advisor. Greg engages leaders all over the world to build the courage to dive into the never-ending waves of change. These audiences range from Fortune 500 companies such as Johnson & Johnson, UN, Habitat for Humanity, and the CDC. We hope you enjoyed this conversation we had with Greg, and if you do, please support the pod by liking, commenting, and hitting subscribe. Welcome, Greg. Can you introduce yourself today? Tell us what makes you who you are. What makes me who I am today is quite complex, I think. I think it's all of us on the planet having gone through the last three years and coming out the other end. And, you know, the other piece around that is is what really drives me is how can I make people's work lives better? Because we spend most of our time at work. And I, that's why I love doing these types of podcasts, because we're all in this to help people get tips, techniques, insights to make their days better. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Greg, you and I have been lucky enough to have a couple of conversations before on the uh, on the HR chat pod. And it's lovely to have you on uh, the People in Performance podcast today with, with Chris and I. And I've got a lot of respect for, for what you say, how you say it, how you deliver it, and what you write. And in fact, you recently wrote a blog post, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And it was on how to create positive change in your work, your personal life and community. Can you tell our listeners a, wee more, a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I believe, just like I said a minute ago, that as we're coming out of what we've been in the last few years, you know, this big crises, you know, crises are where people find their greatness. And why is that? Because we are pushed in ways that we have not been pushed before. And all of us have experienced that and have developed what I would say, you know, a whole new set of muscles to handle the the changes and, and all of the pieces that are coming down the pipe. And what we know with the future of work and its impact on performance, you know, there's three main factors driving this. You know, one is the increase in automation and artificial intelligence, which we're seeing. The second, of course, is that changing economic landscape. And I'll give examples of each of these. And then the third, of course, is shifting societal expectations. And I think as we've come out of this crisis, we're, and we're all being called to try to figure out what is this future going to be? What is the impact on my organization? What is the impact on my people that I'm working with? And with the advancements in technology, you know, one of the pieces that we're seeing, and, and this is coming from research such as the World Economic Forum's 2023 job report that's saying, you know, because of this automation, we're seeing a need for people that know how to rapidly lead change, a need for people that have flexibility, who have analytical thinking, who have critical thinking, because machines can't do that. You know, with the changing economic landscape, everyone's experiencing this hybrid work environment conversation. How do we balance the needs of the employer? How do we balance the needs of the individual? Of course, last but not least, the whole shifting societal expectations that's driving the future work. 
which is the increasing DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion conversations that are on top of every organization's agenda. And I believe those are really the factors driving our future of work. Greg, in a recent LinkedIn post, you write, in business, problems are inevitable. Successful organizations distinguish themselves by focusing on solutions. What does solution-focused thinking do for us, you say? So, Greg, our question for you is, what does solution-focused thinking do for us in the context of improving the performance of employees? You know, I think too often as leaders, and I include myself in this, we want to solve everyone's problems for them. And I think when we use solution-focused thinking, and I'll give you four short examples that our listeners can apply, we want to build the individual's capability to handle things on their own going forward, because it's less impact on us, and we build their skill and capability. So let me give you four quick examples of that. One, you could explore the ending of the problem with someone and say something like, how did you manage to stop that? And that's exploring the endings is a great solution-focused technique. The other one's to explore exceptions to the problem. You know, if someone's frequently late at work, you're not always late. Tell me about what's going on on the days you're on time because we're building those skills. You might explore previous solutions. I don't know how to do this. How are you able to complete that last time? How are you able to complete that report last week? And last but not least, one I like to do that really helps build capability is amplifying the change you want in the person's performance and saying, if you keep doing this, what difference do you think it'll make in your work? And you see all those four questions really drive home the ownership for the person you're having that conversation with. And it will build their skill, will build their capability, and it will improve their performance. The People and Performance Podcast, supported by Fidelo Inc., is dedicated to offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities and behaviors needed to establish, grow, and measure the performance of employees. If you enjoy the show, why not subscribe and give us five stars through your favorite podcast app? So my question for you is this, can you share some of your tips that you've helped to, and that have helped you um, when there's so much going on? Uh, what are some of your go-to tips for tackling a busy schedule so you or anyone else can focus on what's going to push the needle forward? Yeah, I think my number one tip these days, because people are talking frequently about being overwhelmed at work, it's a common conversation. The number one tip I have for that is through relentless, and I use that term specifically, relentless prioritization. Every time something comes in, you relentlessly prioritize it. And you, and you have to figure out what your prioritization is going to be and how to do it. Is it based on who's asking you? Is it based on the return on the amount of time? Is it based on what you can get out the door? Is it something that needs to be a quick win? But you relentlessly have to prioritize that. And, and what people tend not to do, which I encourage them to do, is actually block the time in your calendar to do the work. Sitting in meetings eight hours a day does not give you time to do the work. And if you have control over that, block that time in there. I love that. I've seen too many managers that I've, I've worked with over the year that it's a, it's a one-hour um, uh time commitment and it's a powerpoint and yeah. that's all that it goes from and you go from one to the next to the next where's the powerpoint for that and 
and you, you lose a little bit of that focus. Committing that time is is critical. So that's a brilliant piece there. So congratulations, you got a new book coming out. Switching topics here. It's called Spark Action. Can you tell us some more about it? Yeah, Spark Action is all about how do we lead change that matters. And it comes from years of working with leaders and, and certainly being a leader myself and feeling the pressure and hearing from others when changes come down the pipe at work. You know, I need to convince people to do this. I need to get them on board my idea. And I've realized that doesn't work. And, you know, one of the pieces I talk about when I'm on stage and doing workshops or speaking is, you know, take the pressure off. We can't make people do anything. We, it's a fake idea that we can make people do anything. So my book really takes a holistic approach and looks at ways that we can help people take action in the context of what's going on in the future of work and the way our world is today. So it, it includes everything from, you know, getting a PhD in yourself, knowing who you are, what works, what ticks you off, some myths and challenges around change. And then, of course, what can we do to actually get people to take action on my ideas? And, you know, sometimes people have said, oh, it's really a book on communications. I'm like, nah, it's the last thing it's about. <laughs> communications, this is about taking action. People communicate all the time and share information. That's not taking action. Cool. Hey, on a follow-up to that, it sounds like, you know, when we've done some other pieces and looked at things, you kind of lay out a roadmap for people to engage others so they can take action. So what are some, you know, let's, can you throw me out three key things that you can suggest to people to improve their ability to get others to take the action quickly, uh, yeah. given all the competing pressures that are going on in their lives too? Absolutely. First thing I always say is, before you start a conversation to try to engage others or even write an email or whatever way you want to communicate with the individuals is remembering that the buy-in, the agreement, the change happens in the mind of the other person. So you always start with them and ask, what do they need to be? What do they need to know? What do they need to have to say yes? That's the starting point of everything. Yes, you have your mandate. They have theirs as well. So get into their head first and figure that out. Secondly, um, when people bring up ideas that you might disagree with or think are silly, you know, don't shut them down. Look for disruption, disruptive ideas and ask the question, what's good about this idea? Because no one brings ideas to meetings that are fully formed. And if you shut down my idea, I'm less likely to take action on your idea. So one of the things we know is, you know, no one brings ideas to meetings that are fully formed. And ideas need to collide for in innovation to occur. You need that collision. And thirdly, uh, to help people take action, you know, everybody gets worried about what's going to happen. And, you know, I remind people that worries are just made up negative stories. And we want to listen to worries uh, because, of course, there's mental health issues and all that going on. And if we want people to take action, let's ground them in risks and turn it into a risk management conversation and start asking questions about what can we try to do to prevent this from happening? If it does happen, what will we do? And I think by asking those questions, it grounds it in fact, and, and we get away from the sky is falling conversation and move into well, let's take some action on this. Thank you, Greg. Greg, the next two questions we've got for you are questions that we ask of all of our guests. Okay, so don't be afraid to 
repeat some things that you've already mentioned today if it helps support your your answers uh the first one chris and i like to challenge our listeners i'm uh, sorry our guests to answer in one minute or less here we go uh greg in one minute or less can you share one piece of advice or some direction that you were given by a mentor a leader or a colleague that inspired you to perform at a higher level in your career absolutely and this is in my book uh remove the word should from your vocabulary just get rid of the word should from your vocabulary you should do this you should do that it makes people feel bad wrong silly and like you're being a parent replace the word should and turn it into a third person next time i suggest you do this next time you could do it this way if i were to do that next time i might try it this way this gets rid of the whole should 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 i did what i did what do you want me to do going forward? It's a form of solution-focused thinking as well. So I talk a lot about that in Spark Action. Okay, uh, Chris, I should definitely give that some more thought in, in my career too. Um, and <laughs> no comment, <laughs> by the way, Bill. And, and for our <laughs> listeners, the best thing of that whole little that that spill spiel that Greg just went on is when he was saying "should," he was wagging his finger at our faces. So you should. He was doing that condescension moment. You should. So I love that. But anyway, so fun, fun on that. Get rid of it out of your vocabulary. Remove that word. You don't need it at work. <laughs> uh, just, just is another one that really annoys oh, me. Oh, and but, my, yeah, yeah, my my other half says, "Can you just go and uh, take out the no. the garbage, please? Just do that." Uh, anyway, uh, next so, question for you. Remove uh, the for word me. but. Remove the word but. You're really good at this. But wah, 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 you're really good at this and you need to improve on this. It, when we're talking performance, it weighs things easily, evenly. Um, the, the famous Ned Stark of Game of Thrones fan, yep. uh, fame, uh, he, he, his, he famously said everything before the word but is uh, B, BS. There we go. Um, OK, so next question for you and feel free to take longer to answer. Uh, from a culture and people processes perspective, Greg, what does a high performing company mean to you? Well, one of the things I've really learned and certainly what the research shows is that, you know, leadership resides in the teams of the leaders, not with the individual leaders. And it always happens when teams are in alignment with organizational goals. And we know this, any team, high performing leadership teams always outperform the individual. So for me, um, you know, a high performing company means they've got a leadership team that isn't working in silos, that is functioning together, that knows how to do rapid exploration, that has excellent interpersonal skills and can quickly do rapid decision making if required, because the future of work is not slowing down. Things are just going to speed up. So here we go. The last question for you, and, and as Bill said, he had the two that we ask everybody, but we ask everybody this one too. Um, how can we learn more about you? And also, how can we get a copy of your new book, Spark Action? Great. Well, you can go to sparkactionbook.com and that'll take you to the page on our website. Um, and you can buy it from any, pre-order it from any of the retailers. I encourage you to also shop local. We have a button that you can figure out where your local independent book provider is. Um, you'll be able to get a pre-order in digital audio and soft copy or hard copy that would be sent to you. You also get some goodies 
from me if you do do a pre-order. So go to BeChangeReady.com and you get a bunch of good free stuff if you do a pre-order there. And I hope to hear from people. So BeChangeReady.com or SparkActionBook.com. Greg Brown, thank you very much. Chris and I have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Val. Thank you for listening to the People and Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe.